0: Welcome back to the Get Loved Up Podcast, your number one resource for inspiration and motivation to live your purpose, make healthy living a priority, and thrive doing what you love. I'm your host, Koya Webb, a small town girl who chased her dreams and caught them, a former track and field athlete who healed using spirituality and yoga, and an entrepreneur who didn't let sexual assault, racism, and insecurities dim her life. And now it's your turn to allow these episodes with some of the top voices in spirituality, wellness, and entrepreneurship to inspire you to thrive. Let's get loved up together.
1: Jessamine Stanley is an internationally acclaimed voice and wellness highly sought after for her insights on 21st century yoga and intersectional identity. As a successful award-winning yoga instructor and entrepreneur, she is the founder of The Underbelly, a streaming wellness app and community co-host of the podcast, Dear Jessamine, and co-founder of We Go High, a North Carolina-based cannabis justice initiative. She is a regular contributor to Self Magazine, has been featured on the cover of Cosmopolitan Magazine UK, and covered in the New York Times, Vogue, Glamour, and Sports Illustrated, among many other domestic and international media outlets. She is also the author of Yoke. My yoga of self-acceptance and everybody yoga, let go of fear, get on the mat, love your body. Jessamine.
2: Hey, Koya. How are you doing?
1: Jessamine. oh, good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know,
2: life is life. It continues to go on. Mm. The things, the the changes are the point I guess <laughs> so i right? trying to lean into it how are you doing? <laughs>
1: exactly, doing? that part I heard I, I was sad I, I heard about Miss America committing suicide mm-hmm. to like just like just really breathe into that because that's yes. you know depression and suicidal thoughts are in my exactly past right. and so I had to say it. a little prayer And just like, you know, just hold space with my team and talk to my leadership Mm. about it. So, Mm. yeah, that Mm. was that was a moment to reflect and like really think about, like, how can I serve more with my life and share more of that experience that I had?
2: That is it. That is it. Literally. That is what an incredible reflection to have. That what is it about myself that I can share more about? Because for real, like people don't even realize that like you are not alone. Like if you're feeling, if you are feeling that, and it comes from all of us just being more honest and authentic. And I remember like looking at it, I I mean, I don't know how to talk about this or say this, but I'm just gonna say it. Um I guess as some I don't know how to talk about this, maybe I hope you're gonna cut this or are we gonna, like, I, will, I it, will use or print? cut
1: anything okay. you want you can cool
2: okay I don't care, but honestly, but you might, so I feel like um i uh, um as someone who has had suicidal thoughts, I feel like I have can talk about it in a way that is you know, flippant, like I had um somebody one time be like that's really offensive. And I was like, I really didn't realize. So this is coming from that place. But when I I heard the news, I thought I was like, I have a great amount of respect for that decision because I think it is a very clear observation about this world that we live in. I think it is very hard and fucked up and complicated. And shit happens sometimes where like, there's no right answer. There's no good way to do it. There's no amount of sunshine. And like, I think that... It would be beautiful, I guess, theoretically, if no one had feelings like that, but then it wouldn't be the fullness of this universe. But I, so I saw it and I was just like, damn, that's, she a real one. That's some, that's some real shit. I feel you. I, I don't know what happened. I don't need to know. And just literally prayers for everyone who loves you close, who is never going to move on from this, who this, for whom this is the marking point of their life. Like, I have all the love, but for you, you're a real one. I didn't know anything about that person, but I was like, I, I see you, I respect you. And then hearing you say this now, I'm like, shit, that is, the, that is the reflection. That like, okay, so what can, how can I serve better? How can I be more present to my community and show up for my people and like really be living in the work, living in the light? anyway i just i feel you and i love
1: that yes <laughs> <laughs> and that's what i love about you and that's when i first reached out on social media the one thing that i love about you and i want you to be you on this call don't feel because i show up a certain way you have to show up a certain way because i love mm-hmm. you, from you. And, you know, we we show up different in the world. And I think that needs to be respected more. And I have a lot to say that I haven't said about a lot of the texts that you receive, you know, a text that I receive. But I'm better speaking for other people. You know, how we are? you're really great at speaking for yourself. That inspires me. Um, and I just love that you're authentic. and we started the way we started because that is real. And that is why I am inspired by you. That is why I love what you do because I feel like we need more of that. I need more of that. And every day, I'm trying to become more of that fearless, authentic, unapologetic um, version of myself that's there, that is reflected through you. So thank you, thank
2: you. I just have to tell you, you are such a huge part of how I ever even came to be sitting here talking to you, like all of this. Like your openness, your brashness your fearlessness like I can think of specific things that I've seen you do and like you're everywhere so it's not just like one I remember one the one of the most recent times that I was just like quiz fucking everywhere it was in you were on the cover of oxygen magazine and I was I think it was oxygen and I was in the grocery store and I was just like I looked over and I was like what what am I looking at? What the fuck? So, like, I feel like, I mean, especially as a Black person in this industry that is, like, not set up for us to succeed, I've, like, looked to you as a beacon for, like, where is the light? What is happening? And so, I just feel really grateful to be in this lineage with you and to be able to share space, and I'm glad that our schedules finally collided and that we are able to connect like this so thank you truly
1: Girl, yes and i feel like it's perfect timing because you were oh, yes. trying for like what two years now
2: no literally <laughs> oh
1: my goodness and what a two years has it has been that part i'm like <laughs> i am glad that we didn't talk before then because now we have so much to talk about oh, and literally. your book i literally binge. Mm. You know, I'm into audio and audible, so I binged on your book <laughs> <laughs> and I took so many notes and it's like, wait, well, you know, you're not going to get through all the notes on the conversation. I was like, but you better at least look at them because there were so many points that you made that I really want to dive into, especially having a yoga school, especially mm. with some topics that I I talk about during my yoga school, but I honestly do not talk about publicly that I really would a- like for us to dive into. Please. And I think number one is just your concept on what yoga is, which I fully mm-hmm. align with and love. So, can you share with people like being someone who is an advocate? of not just the, the postures of yoga at, and the outward facing, but can you really just dive in deep on, on, on what yoga is to you?
2: Totally. I mean, I feel like yoga is everything, honestly. I think that all things in this life are some version of ultimately what yoga is defined as like uh, joining together, union. And so... Um, I would i would go into more detail but honestly i don't quite remember all the de- all the sanskrit uh breakdown but that word yoga it literally just means to bring together it doesn't mean postures it doesn't even mean breath work or meditation and so in life we're like always bringing things together and we're specifically bringing things together That don't go that on the surface don't look like they go together. It's bringing together like the hardest things ultimately, and i i defined yoga my like I, what i call my ratchet american millennial translation of yoga is to <laughs> yoke so um the book my most recent book yoke my yoga of self-acceptance which you can find anywhere the books are sold yoke is, and you can find the book on audible um narrated by me uh yoke is about the parts yoking together the parts of myself that on the surface in my life have not made sense. And so it's been about like trying to come to terms with my, the intersection of spirituality and and commerce and capitalism and like what it means to um, be making money off of a spiritual practice that is not about money. Um, it's come to like come to, coming to terms with, the role that I play in cultural appropriation and how that is such a huge part of the American yoga landscape. It's about coming to terms with my, um, slut-shaming myself and, um, ignoring or avoiding, let's say, sexual trauma, history of sexual trauma. And, um, all sorts of things like that. And that's what I think a yoga practice really is about. Like you might come to a yoga practice because of postures. I certainly did. And I definitely still show up to my pastoral practice as a way of like being the physical representation of this very non-physical concept. But like every posture to me is just an avenue, a vehicle, a gateway to this deeper conversation inside myself. And I think that <clears throat> a lot of times, like, yoga does get really wrapped up in the postures or we get really excited about them. But you know, I think that, I, I guess I'm kind of coming to a place too where I think postures are really great and are really an incredible way of understanding the practice. But You can practice yoga without ever stepping on a yoga mat, without ever practicing a traditional posture.
1: Right. That absolutely. And I feel like, you know, with Astanga being where I got my 500 hour, we see it as, and I came to yoga because of healing. Like I had a stress fracture in my back from running track and field. And I'm like, ouch, they said, go try yoga. A lot of people hurt themselves in yoga. And I'm like, I healed myself. And even continually the reason I continue the postures, the breath, the meditation, and all of, and the life, to your point, yoga is, I agree, life to me, everything in life. How do you connect with life, the good, the bad, the light, the dark, which you talk about in your book, um, that is yoga, you yoking the union to mm-hmm. me as well. And then when it comes to the actual practice, the practice is healing. If you allow it to be, and it's free, it's free breath, it's free silence. And we don't have to talk about the yoga leggings and the yoga mat. And you know, I love me some yoga leggings and some yoga mats, but it's, you know, you don't have to talk about that. It's free. It is. It really is. And
2: I think that, um, you know, really trying to understand this relationship, this identity that we find through. Capitalism and through like all the different tiers of it down to like what leggings are you wearing, what mats you use, and I mean like so i I like hierarchy of goods is important, like some mats are better than others, some leggings are better than others, but it's not the be all end all it's not the the end of the road, and I think sometimes because we are so attached to this idea, I don't know why I'm using the plural sometimes. I am so consumed by wanting to identify with um, with capitalism and with capitalism's many offspring that I get lost the practice will um will become solely about those material items when ultimately it's just so much more it's so big and complex and links you to everything that has ever been and will ever be and um and that, I mean, like, and to your point about healing, I've been thinking a lot about healing recently. And I don't, I'm just like, healing is nonlinear and it is, it comes in all these different forms. Sometimes it comes in forms that do not look like healing on the surface. But like, it's just such a, it's such a big uh, process. And I think that, So that some parts of yoga for me have not felt healing at the time, but they were absolutely healing in the long run. So I don't know. I'm not really going anywhere with that, but I guess I'm saying I agree with you. I, kill
1: you. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's a good point because when I started, I didn't feel like it was healing. It was hurting. Like I couldn't <laughs> touch my toes. I couldn't put my ankle on my, like it hurt. I was like, ow. And I'm looking around like, why is no one else in pain? It hurts. I was a tight athlete. I'm like, this hurts. It's just not blissful. I'm not in bliss. I'm not, it's somebody like, what's going on? Like what? Y'all are, what? am I different? Is my body made different? Of course, I was the only brown girl in class I'm like no this is no my head my head it this headstand my my brain is feels like it's gonna ooze out of my skull <laughs> I feel that. am I just tenderheaded so I think I think it's important to speak to that because I know other people are starting to practice and they're like where's the bliss because it doesn't feel like it to your point in the beginning mm-hmm. so let's go mm-hmm. back a little bit to when you first started Mm -hmm. yoga and and what really motivate you to take up this practice and because you've seen all the ins and outs of it, still continue it.
2: Mm. You know, I have, I never thought about practicing yoga or cared about it. I will say that my mother has always been interested in alternative health and medicine and wellness, and she definitely told me about. Uh, she was a Yoga Journal subscriber like through the nineties, and she told me about um, Anna Guest Jelly and Diane Bondi, who are two of, who I think of as like very influential and very important for me plus size yoga instructors. And she told me about them way before I ever started practicing yoga. But I did not care at all. I did not think that yoga was for fat people. I never heard Black people talking about yoga. I did not feel like it had anything to do with me. And when I was in graduate school, One of my, I was going through a hard time. Honestly, I talk about it some in my first book, Everybody Yoga, but ultimately, like, if you've been in your early 20s, you know what I was going through. I was not sure of myself going through the changes. And um, one of my friends was like, Oh my God, you should go to yoga. It'll change your life. And I had gone to a yoga class once when I was in college and just really thought it was, I did not like it. So I was like, Or no my very first yoga class lest we forget when i was 16 horrible experience i cannot even tell you so bad and i had been again in college and i was just like i'm not doing this like i don't i'm not going to this class but she got me caught up on a group on it was one of those things where like the worst <laughs> that'll happen is that you go one time and you never go back and so I went and it was, I remember it being, cause it was the same as that very first yoga class that I went to. It was a Bikram yoga class. So it was very hot, standard 26 postures. I found it to be the worst when I was a kid. But when I went back, like, And every posture seemed impossible to me, everything. Even just to sit before class starts, like just to sit on my shins or to cross my legs, that felt impossible. And so it wasn't that I felt uh, immediately validated or good at the postures to any degree. It was literally that in the moments when I would really doubt myself, I'd be looking in the mirror. Oh, it's a Beacon studio, so mirrors everywhere. I'd be looking in the mirror and I would just be like talking shit about myself. I'd be like, look at your arms, look at your stomach. Like everybody knows you don't know what you're doing. You shouldn't be here. And then I was like, you know, you could just try. You could just try. Maybe you fall down. Maybe you don't know what you're doing. Maybe everybody's going to see. Maybe you get embarrassed. You could still just try. And that concept of just try was like transformational for me. It was so, I was literally like, I, it woke up my whole life, literally. And I still, you know, even after I started practicing and I would, I was doing the Dequan practice regularly and I had a, um, I had a work study at the studio that I was going to, so I was able to go to classes regularly. But that's the only reason why, because I really could not afford to practice in studios. But I didn't really get into my practice until later, uh, like a year or so after I started, um, I had decided to leave graduate school. And I moved to Durham, where I uh, lived for the last 10 years. And when I moved to Durham, I didn't have any money or a job or I didn't really have a place to live even. And during that time, a bunch of stuff happened. Um, The thing that I always think of is that my aunt passed away really unexpectedly, which what's expected about death. But um, I was very distraught in the way that you are whenever things like that happen. And I found myself really spinning. And I was like, what was I doing before that was making me feel good? I had stopped practicing when I moved to Durham because I couldn't afford to practice in studios. I was like, what was making me feel good before yoga? Okay. I'm just going to find a way to start doing this again. And I literally like I had my dad's old Pilates mat. I would like roll it out. I, we, I was living in a very tiny apartment with my, uh, with one of my partners. And I would like just push all the furniture out of this one corner of the room roll out this mat. And I didn't even have, like I knew a few postures from the deep sequence that I felt comfortable practicing by myself. But I really didn't know that many postures. And I just thought of it as my medicine. It was just like, I'm just going to do these postures and then I'll feel it'll be okay. And that is how I still think of my practice to this day. It is my medicine. I practice what I need to do like, And now I, I have a deeper understanding of breath work and meditation and also um, have developed journaling practices and card reading practices. And so all of those things have become a part of my ritual work. But in the exact same way that I would just roll out my mat, and just like like make it work wherever I was, that's how I still show up to it. So that, yeah, like a lot has changed in my life. I have, my practice has taken me to different places in a way that I could have never anticipated, frankly. But it's still the same, still the same medicine. I still need it for the same reasons.
1: Mm, I love that. I love that yoga is the medicine, and I, I told people I take I do meditation instead of medication because you know <laughs> speaking of you know what we we're talking about for uh, before and like mental health and having suicidal thoughts, I feel like yoga was my savior in that way, and I went to heal my back. I didn't mm-hmm. know that I was going to get the mental bill be- benefits of like also healing my childhood mm-hmm. and, you know, trauma, family yes. trauma and things like that. And I know you say in you in assault, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a lot that we just harbor inside as women that unless someone talks to us about it, it's, it's still in there and we're getting yes. by things and we don't know. So, I would love for you to talk about through your trauma that you've been through, how you've seen yoga and also therapy. I think that's important Mm -hmm. to talk about as well. Cause I think we're both proponents of therapy, how that's helped you deal with some of that trauma.
2: Lord, I'm so glad that you said therapy because that is a very recent addition to my wellness practices. And it is Lord, I cannot even say like I there's what is happening to, to be here in January of 2022, that is because of therapy, truly. So, yes. But also, um, I, mean, I think that developing those practices is really an organic thing and that it has to come from just like noticing, what is how how the what makes things run and what things don't make things run and like i um every practice that i've started doing has only come from recognizing that if i don't do it what will happen and they have allowed me to be more sensitive with myself and more compassionate with myself. And that allows for space to actually even sort of broach the some of the things that have happened in my life that are not so great on the surface anyway. Um, I talked some in Yoke about um, a couple of specific experiences that I had where I was sexually assaulted and the thing about both of those the both the things that i talk about in yoke is that i never talked about them like before like in the process of writing the book was very therapeutic for me because it allowed me to actually like engage with it in a more tactical way <clears throat> and i think that part of what the practice really offers is a judgment-free zone. Mm-hmm. So there's no need for self-criticism. There's no, and because there's no need for self-criticism, there's no need for criticism of anyone else. So that I can look at the people who assaulted me and see them as human beings, see that they are just like me, that, that, things happen to them that are a huge part of what happened between the the two of us and being able to bring it down to like that person-to-person connection and also without judging myself so harshly that has been instrumental in just being able to, again, with like, I think healing is nonlinear, and like, I don't even, I'm like, what are the parameters of healing? I feel like I merely brushed the surface of really like getting into um, my experiences. But I think that being able to look at them head on, being able to like stare, gaze upon them without critique of myself and the other person feels really um, feels really important to me and feels like a gift that was offered through, has been, that's been offered through these practices and I do think that having someone to talk to frankly who is paid to do so, who is like they are being compensated for their time they know they they are able to receive with compassion and they can um, offer tools for moving forward that practice of being able to communicate with a therapist has been instrumental not so I was saying that like I am a recent therapy convert and like in the scaling of my businesses and in like being able to see myself as separate from the self that I share with the world being able to see that the, all of the different sides of, or at least a few different sides of the diamond, see a few different pieces of the kaleidoscope, that has been really, really helpful for me. But it's all a journey and it's a constantly changing landscape. So, you know, ask me again tomorrow, all this different.
1: <laughs> you know? The thing that I love that you say about your experiences is like the number one thing is acceptance. You Know and I think that sometimes we try to go into denial or, like you said, judgment. Why did this happen to me? And did did, I'm gonna pretend it's not didn't happen, so I'm not gonna tell anybody, which is what I did for many years. So, Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about uh, acceptance? Um, because not only for a really tough and traumatic experience, but that's your. about everything in life is just is an experience um can you kind of expound on Mm -hmm. that a little bit more your ideas of experiences absolutely
2: Absolutely. I think that acceptance well even acceptance I think has like a very positive tone to it like acceptance sounds like yeah and then I accepted it and everything was great you know but in my experience (laughs) acceptance is like it's just looking at everything that's there. It's like, look at all of it. Don't ignore any single piece of it. Even the tiniest bit, the bit of fluff, the, the grain of dust. Give Bear witness to that. And, like, make your whole experience be bearing witness. Not judging. Not critiquing. Not fixing. Not trying to think of an answer. Not sorting. No sorting. Just big. bearing Marie Kondo. Like, it's actually literally that exact same concept of like, if you make a big mess, if you big, make a big pile of stuff, then you can get rid of everything because you actually looked at everything that was there. So in the, in the vein of Marie Kondo, I feel like for <laughs> me, acceptance is look at all of it, let it be there. And it's not even, I, don't, I think it's like making space for it. And then over time, you notice that like, it's easier, I guess, to let things go or just to stop carrying it, but i don't I don't think for me the embracing or the um the acceptance is always about uh, like letting things go sometimes it's about just it's still there, and still and sometimes it still needs to be there but i was I said embracing because this morning I was taking a class where the teacher Jason Crandall he said that that embracing is like the step beyond acceptance because he said that acceptance is a little pejorative if you really think about it. And I had never thought about that before. I was like embracing, because if you embrace, you're holding it close. Even the things that that smell bad, even the things that you don't care for, you hold them close they are a part of who you are embrace it and so that feels like i'm like mulling that over conceptually so who knows but acceptance yes
1: that's, thank that's you like yeah me. i when i was going through my healing acknowledgement helped me a lot just acknowledging okay, that happened. Because again, my thing was denial. So acknowledging it happened is like the first step for me. Acknowledging what's going on in the world, not spiritually bypassing. And like you said, healing is linear. So it's like, it's always happening. But the more that we can acknowledge and not like turn a blind eye to what is happening, even if we don't accept it, we don't have to like it. We don't have to embrace it. We just need to acknowledge like, this is happening. And actually, I don't like it. And I ain't
0: going to
2: brace it. I'm going to let it go. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right.
1: You know, and it's like, and, and, you know, uh, so
2: much of this world is beautiful, like very, very beautiful. But beautiful things are also ugly at the same time. And if you don't accept the ugliness of it, you can't experience any of the beauty of it. And so I feel like it's a part of that. It's like, there's going to be parts of it that don't look good. They're not, it's not a good thing it's not about being good. Not everything is about being good. Sometimes things are about being bad and letting all of that be there means you can really, you can really smell the roses. You can really experience the fullness of this life because you're not just trying to make it one thing. It's not monochromatic.
1: Right. And that's what I love. You touch on that a lot in your book, the light, the dark, the rosy and the not so rosy. And like, it's all a part of it. And I think If we're not trying to eliminate the dark and eliminate the fear and eliminate, but we're actually leaning into it, which is what you talk about in your, we're yoking with it Mm. as part of the experience, then there's less resistance. Then we can talk ourselves off of feeling like we're less than when we have this really, these terrible experiences, which is what I've had to do to talk myself out of those very dark, self-defeating times. So can you share like some of the things that you do um, in addition to the yoga to help get you in a state of mind? Like I am here and I'm impacting a lot of lives by being Mm -hmm. here, which that's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And what are the things that do, how do you get loved up? Basically, my concept of get loved up, you gotta get loved up, you gotta love yourself, because if you don't those toxic things to take over, so what are some of the things mm-hmm. to get loved mm-hmm.
2: up? First of all, I really need to know your big three, your sun sign, you're really your big three, and I'm, so, I'm just very curious, so maybe we come back to that, okay. but I um, the things that I do to get loved up I mean, a huge, okay, Lots, a lot of things. A lot of things. (laughs) All the time. The big ones that I always say are water weed yoga sex. Like not necessarily in that order, but sometimes directly in that order. And those things in conjunction really help me to be able to and I say sex, but I really mean like it's not just a it's not just about your physical body, like just being in a state of deep erotic energy and being comfortable with the divine erotic and the fact that it's ultimately just this concept of change, all of that together is a huge part of how I take care of myself. Sleep above everything else all the time, um, not spending time with people that I don't want to spend time with, and like that is kind of a hard one, and I think that it is something that I don't know i I'm sure there's people that don't like it, but ultimately I guess they would have to be, but um, no, they're probably not, they're they're good. Um, I just feel like it's amazing the amount of energy that is drained by doing things in general that you don't want to do. And there's so much in life that we don't want to do. But if you can control the people that are around you, like it makes a huge difference in energetic tone. And um, also trying to be intentional about use of devices, which is hard because I personally love devices and I love social media and I love media in general, but it's very energy draining and it just takes everything away and like finding opportunities for joyful movement and also just being outside and really connecting to like, the earth because the earth is i feel like if you can remember that we all just are soil that walks around we're just imprints of the stars the more that you can remember that the easier it is to let shit go because like it just none of the stuff that we do inside boxes really matters all that much in the long run and but another piece of uh, spending time not spending time with people I don't like is spending time with people that I love and people that really invigorate me and trying to tell them that I love them as much as possible. And, um, and staying in a space of everything is love, even the things that are awful and that those things are the most important ultimately. Um, yeah, that's how I, that's how I get loved up.
1: I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. also, I kind of want to touch back on like the culture appropriation part, because that's a big mm-hmm. conversation right now, as you know, in the yoga world. And I really loved how in the book you really addressed it head on. And, and I love how you gave the example of like, when you're in this class, watch, I literally had a full on media visual of you in the class. People sleeping, Julie. I mean, I mean, I'm suggesting the audio book because like I just love your voice, the way you express things. And I literally had a full-on video of you sitting in this class, like, like, is anyone, and I've had this saying, yes. So can you talk a little bit about like that experience? And I think people need to hear it. Mm-hmm. from that new space. And I think you did a very great job of just giving people the visual of like how you came into it and how a lot of people newly are coming into yoga, which is great. Mm-hmm. But knowing that there are levels to this and it's very nuanced. <laughs> and I think you did a good job. So I'm gonna let you explain it.
2: Well, it's okay. So I feel like, um, man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. So this class that you're talking about was during my during my 200 hour YTT and we were watching a video. Yeah, I don't want to go into too much detail. You can read it. Right, and you don't know, have to say. Yeah, totally. But we were we were watching a video that really made me consider the ways that we um that we culturally appropriate yoga and um and specifically, the ways that white in, white supremacy and British imperialism have directly impacted the way that yoga is processed in the United States, specifically. And I said this during the class: how I had conflicting. I didn't use these words, and I was it was under the umbrella of what we were actually talking about, but um. My teacher's response to what I said was basically like that she had never thought about that before. And we never talked, no one else in the class had an issue with what I was talking about. And, and I was just like, okay, that is very clarifying. More than anything, that is very clarifying. Because not that, because I think sometimes, especially when we talk about like YTTs, everybody wants to find like the perfect environment where you're not going to have to deal with like, especially if you're black, I feel like you're looking for an environment where white people are not going to be annoying. I don't know how else to say it. There are other ways to say it, but like, that's the way that I'm going to say it. Like a space is where it is safe for us to talk and be ourselves and do our things, everybody doing their thing. And if you are in a space that is predominantly white and you are not white that is unlikely to happen. And even if you are white, if you wanna talk about something that white supremacy does not support, white supremacy is very supportive of cultural appropriation. It's a part of how the whole system works. So like, if you're in an environment where people are not willing to have that conversation, it can feel very alienating. Literally, I would imagine, regardless of what you look like. And my response to that, and what was so clarifying to me about my experience was that that's my yoga, first of all. Why do I need for everybody to agree with me? Where did that come from? What's that mean? Why why can't they have their opinion? I can have my opinion and we can all exist here together. So that to me, honestly, I can leave it there. But if you want to go further, then there's like, but why do we appropriate? Where does that come from? And who appropriates typically and where does that come from? And then I think that's just a really interesting, it leads into this really interesting question of identity and understanding who we are as people and the ways that white people have had to survive the violence that has happened in white culture that's totally normalized the amount like all of these things that are not discussed ultimately like are the key to our collective liberation and also ultimately are the yoga so that i think what gets lost a lot in this conversation about cultural appropriation is well not what gets lost but i think that um we tend to focus on judgment and critique and like you're doing it wrong and you're doing it right. And how do I get on the side of doing it right? But I think it's an interesting exercise to operate from a place of what if nobody's right or wrong? Maybe everybody is just doing the best that they can. And why would it make that cultural appropriation would be such a huge part of specifically American yoga culture. It speaks to the whole American experience. That's a really interesting deep dive history lesson. Like, what does it say whenever we say like, you know what? Yes. When we actually talk about like, what is the difference between appropriation and appreciation? Which I always think of the difference as being like, uh, theft or like in a, like this feeling of like trying to take something from someone else that lives in appropriation and appreciation is just like learning as much as you can about something and therefore and respecting through it. And uh, even just having that conversation, very interesting, leads to so much self-discovery and also considering what it is to have not meant to hurt anyone. Like, a lot of people are afraid to talk about cultural appropriation because they're like, well, I didn't mean to hurt anyone. Like, I didn't mean to say or do something that could be offensive. And uh, this I hear a lot with people who um, are very... Uh, attached to using Sanskrit in their classes, or perhaps they have spent a lot of time in South Asia learning, uh, learning about yoga and who want to carry that heritage forward. And they see it as a part of their identity as a practitioner and how they show reverence for the practice is to be like authentically using these um, aspects of South Asian culture. But there is a difference between South Asian culture and the yoga of everybody's individual yoga, because ultimately yoga is just going to lead you back to the culture of yourself. It's not going to lead you to somebody else's culture. And I think that even with that though, like let's say that you have a strong attachment to South Asian culture and language, and that is very important to you, there is still a conversation with someone who. Finds that deeply offensive, many people find that to be extremely offensive and disrespectful of their cultural heritage and identity. Excuse me. There's a way for people who are showing up on the different sides of that coin to bear witness to one another and to just say, it's not about being right or wrong, but how can I show up, how can I see you as a human being fully and accept you and the only way to actually do that is by accepting yourself and so i think ultimately that's what's so cool about cultural appropriation is an issue not just in the yoga world it's in so many different parts anything that's anything that's been touched by white supremacy has that somewhere and i feel like it's not about right or wrong it's about receiving each other and so ultimately cultural appropriation is our collective yoga. It's some. It's a place that we can, it's a map that we can all show up on.
1: I love that. You know, what I love about it is just that appreciation part. And I think, especially as a woman, um, we don't often get the appreciation, especially as a Black woman, woman of color, we don't get that appreciation. And, and acknowledgement, it's like, you know, it's just that small. It's like people take, and you look at, everybody else that's upper on that scale and it's like you're getting acknowledgement appreciation awards but then you look at people who are oppressed and there's very little acknowledgement and then you have one month you want to acknowledge a couple people and that's not that's not okay it's
2: not okay at all so yeah
1: yeah, I think it needs to be an ongoing appreciation, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. You said, of, of not only the people in the past, but also people who are presently making mm-hmm. moves, and not when they get married or have a kid or show up on a cover of a magazine. Can you appreciate literally. me when I take a bubble bath? <laughs> you
2: know, literally, <laughs> literally, can you respect my divinity when I'm taking a shit? Not just when That's I have hard. done something that. You deem to be important, whatever that is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and I love. Yeah, and that's like I said. What I love about you is that you really show, this is my life. Um, this is who I am. This is what I like. Love me as I am, and that's what I love about you. And one thing that I wanted to comment on, and I didn't. So I'm like, I'm gonna do it on the podcast is the whole drama about the cover and you being the face, a face of fitness. And I have something to say that I didn't hear enough of with that. So I'm gonna say it now just to honor you. One, you just the way you mentally, spiritually show up in the world is healthy because it's allowing people to see all of you and who you are. And the fact that anyone feels they have to hide, alter, edit, which myself included, Mm -hmm. that ain't healthy. And now let's talk about the other side of people that are deemed healthy that I know have eating disorders and go literally on steroids okay so you're gonna call that healthy but you see this woman living her best healthy life and because she's not the weight that you want her to be she's so it was such it was so interesting that people are not seeing the realness of what they're even saying is healthy because if you're gonna look at someone's whole lifestyle before you put them on the cover, and say who's healthy, who's living a healthy lifestyle. I think there will be some more conversation, but people are not looking at that. They're just looking on the outside. Oh, you don't look like me, or you don't look like what we're used to, so you're not healthy. How about you ask yourself: Is what you're used to looking at healthy? Do you ever have that? That's question? a great oh, that's question. What like. That's what Thank I. Thank like. you for saying it. Thank you for
2: saying it, and I think that you know, ultimately the definition of healthy has never involved the uh, the metaphysical body. It has always been about physicality and what you present to the world. And I, the main, my main issue with that is not even like, I'm not going to argue with anybody about BMI or fat. I don't, uh, mainly I'm not going to argue because I don't really care that much, but I do feel like science is science, and I'm not going to argue with people about this, but I think that because we don't talk about mental health, we don't even actually know how to help people be physically healthy. So, like, if you're not willing to have a conversation about the reasons why people are, like, unhealthy, then how are we going to become healthy? And that comes in so many different forms. It's not even just about, it's not about how much you waste specifically we all incur so much trauma that we don't acknowledge and that shows up in our lives in different ways and because that's not attached to our overall health it's just an incomplete picture with incomplete um, medical research and so i hope that this expanded conversation about what it means to be healthy and what it means to be fit and well, that it actually does lead to us collectively being w- more well, but to us being healthier because we have so much potential as a society, but as long as food deserts continue to exist, as long as there is uh economic inequity to the extent that there is in our world, then we're always going to have problems like this. And it's really it's really a shame because we have so much potential as a, as a species.
1: That's beautiful. And I agree. Like if someone's hurting anywhere. We're all hurting everywhere. It's the oneness. We are all, yoked. we are all connected. We're all the energy that governs the whole earth and And I think that's how we connected to with you saying something about like body image. And I I honestly like DMs like, hey, you know, I have those insecurities, too. And you were like, what? I never would have thought that, you know, because people assume (laughs) because someone's a certain size that you don't have body issues. And I was like, no, you're my inspiration and you're making me think, Mm. you know. And so that's what I think is important for people who are a little bit blind to Mm. uh, what women experience of all shapes and sizes. We all, I won't say all, I'll speak for myself. I have insecurities and I know a lot of women have insecurities of all different sizes. And then when you lean into that, it's like the more that we can have the conversation about what are our insecurities and why, And you see it's from the pressure of the system that is perpetuating, you have to look a certain way. So I just commend you so much for speaking up and being a voice and you're a voice, not just the people who are the same size as you, but you are a voice for every single person who's ever felt insecure. So thank you. Well,
2: you know, I have to tell you, I really did not aspire to do any of this. It was not my goal. And I think that that, it's been very confusing to me sometimes, like the way that people will engage with what I put out into the world. And so I'm always just like, what? Huh? Who? What? And like, I'm like, very like introverted. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just like strange for me. But when you were talking about that, I was thinking about this time that I was teaching in London and I remember it was a, there's different parts of it that were important to me. Like, have you ever peed on yourself during a class? I don't know if this is a thing for you, but I, during this particular class, I had to pee so badly and we were in Shavasana and I was like, I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna be able to get out of here before this end. And so I like peed on myself on my mat, but it's a hot studio. So like, it's, you're sweating a lot anyway. So just like in a pool of my own sweat. And after the class, someone who was in the front row, this um very like traditional model looking guy, he's like, comes up and he was just like, you know, I have to tell you, I really appreciated that experience so much. I've been feeling really down on myself, down on my body. So I'm out here pressed because I've like peed my yoga mat and I'm like, like, dang, I see, I'm good. It's it's all yoga, but like, D-I-C. and then I'm looking at this man who looks like he could be on like the cover of some kind of like male modeling magazine. And I was just like, you got body issues too. Like literally this man's out here, like talking about, and I was just like, damn, it's really all of us. I have never met to your point of like, um, like, you know that it's you and that many women have this. I'm like, I, I never met anybody who does not have body issues. Like there's always something that is like not good enough or not right enough. And I know I weigh on capitalism and, in truth, I actually really enjoy capitalism, but I, I do not talk shit about it a lot. And um, that is one of the vestiges of cap- capitalism. I think is that we are so focused on our flaws because, in order for capitalism to work at its peak, we all have to think there's something wrong with us because otherwise you wouldn't buy anything. So, like, I just think it's really interesting to see that all bear out in the long term, and the collective healing from it is really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, on the capitalism tip, I mean, it's just like, I remember watching Social Dilemma and being like, yeah, I'm part of the problem. You know, and just feeling it on a deep level and being a bit sick in the inside, like, ooh. uh, Oh, well, can I be a good part of the problem? (laughs) Because I, too, um, love products. And I mean, from a little girl, consumer reports, what's the best of the best of the best of the best? That's just who I happen to be. And, you know, I mean, but it's part of the problem. And so Mm -hmm. I feel you on that. And I feel Mm -hmm. like acknowledging that is so important, but also acknowledging where do we want to be Uh, part of the problem. I mean, the world, we have many problems and we're all a part of it. And again, it's about that acknowledging of it that is so important and accepting that, okay, this is the problem. We are part of it. So how do we push it in the right direction? And I feel like you are pushing it in that direction. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about where you see community going. How can we start Mm -hmm. moving in that right direction towards our collective oneness Mm. in a way that we all can win
2: Mm. wow what a question and honestly like I just think I am so grateful to be in community with everybody right now and I have seen so much change in the last decade There has been so much change in the way that we view wellness, in the way that we talk about body diversity, like all of this, especially in the last five years. And I think that the pandemic has been a part of that, honestly. The pandemic has given everybody a few, a couple fewer fucks to give so that now from that place, we can all start to just be a little bit more authentic that that's really what I think is the most important thing overall is for all of us to just keep it as real as possible with one another, like keep it real with ourselves on an individual level. And then from that place, just keep it real with everybody. And I think that from that place, it becomes easier to accept other people. And so I think that a huge part of us, like making, making these, uh, making links and being in community with each other is being as accepting as possible. And not just saying like, we're inclusive or we care about inclusivity or diversity. Diversity really not even being in the picture. Let's just assume everything is diverse. We're all, there's all kinds of everything everywhere. But saying that like, there are no borders. There's no, um, that there's no lines. Ultimately, this is one big space where it's one big community that no one should be left out of regardless of your perspective or where you're coming from or what you do. And there will always be disagreements. There's always going to be somebody somewhere that does not think the same as you or feel the same way that you do. But as long as you can just receive them with open arms, we can all stand in solidarity together. And we're going toward we're heading toward very dark times i mean again the pandemic is giving us a little prequel a little pre-show but um if any of these apocalyptic any of this apocalyptic media is accurate it seems like it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better and so in the face of that it's so important for us to just all be in solidarity with one another and really hold each other down because like climate change is not about any one group of people like that's all of us. So like if we can all get on the same page about just taking care, being in community together, accepting everybody, accepting ourselves, being honest and real, that's how we can make these big lasting change with things like climate change or, um, I always think of ending systemic racism as being a very lofty goal and aspiration because it does require so much of each of us. But that's how that can happen, is that we can, if we are honest with ourselves, if we make spaces that are accepting, truly accepting, then that is how we can heal systemic racism. So I don't know. I'm, I want to be Pollyanna, but there's a lot of optimism if we can all come together.
1: Yes, I agree. I mean, that's what yoke is all about. So um, I guess with that, I want to end with like just kind of some, you know, Jessamyn's favorite things uh, right now. So when it comes to like, you know, diving into your favorite things, I guess the first thing people love to hear is like, what is your favorite song or style of music? Mm.
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, I love all kinds of music all the time. And the song that I played nonstop is, and we go gently by, um, by hiatus coyote. I love hiatus coyote so much, but a lot of, a lot of music. Mm.
1: Nice. And what was the best book you've read in the last two years?
2: Oh, this one. um, I started it at the end of last year. It's in search of our mother's gardens by Alice Walker. I'm completely enamored of it.
1: Mm, all right. Putting that on my list because the oh, picture look like my mom. Like no, literally. I picture of her. Oh, love it. Okay. Um, what is your favorite tea?
2: Oh my goodness. Okay, so I'm literally drinking tea at this exact moment, and I have uh historically been going well, not I've been going through like a black tea thing, specifically um, like English breakfast tea, but really just like cream, honey, traditional like morning English tea. But since moving to California, which I just recently uh, relocated to Northern California, I've been going through this herbal tea thing, which I've never really been into herbal tea. And I am currently drinking ginger tea steeped with lemon and honey. And it's just amazing. So
1: Yes, I love that. Yeah. I'm obsessed with herbal tea. I can't take any caffeine. So I can't <sighs>
2: that's okay. So green tea, I'm also enjoying more now. Black tea, I have whatever we drink.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's okay. This is all yeah. okay, girlfriend. Yeah. But no, I I go through phases as well. Like when I need more energy, I'll step over to like some chai or some matcha Mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I tend to be high energy. So Mm -hmm. if I get too much caffeine, I'll be up for like days. This has been such a pleasure. It's been such a treat. I highly, 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 highly suggest y'all check out Jessamine's book, Yoke, You will not be sorry you did. It is so good. And I also got to highly suggest the Audible because she's just just hearing it. Her saying it is just very beautiful. And can you just let us know where we can find you and where we can find your book?
2: Thank you. You can find me and everything that I do at jessamynstanley.com and you can find me on social media at my name is Jessamyn and you can find you can practice yoga with me at my studio The Underbelly. You can try a two-week free trial at theunderbelly.com and find us on social at The Underbelly Yoga.
1: That's so awesome and one last message you want to leave with the people who are listening to this podcast. You are
2: necessary. Everything that you do in this life is important. All the parts, all the shit stains on your life are necessary. You are needed exactly as you are right now. Thank you for being you.
1: Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Thank you so much, Jessamine. This was so amazing to have you. Thank all of you who are listening. I love you. I appreciate you. I thank God for you. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you have not already, leave a review. If you love this episode, let me and Jessamine know on social, tag us, screenshot, hit us up. Let us know your biggest takeaways. And until next time, love yourself, love others, and love the world. One day at a time, one breath at a time peace and love.
0: I just want to take a moment to say thank you for being part of the Get Loved Up community. I like to share topics and people making a positive impact in the world, and your feedback means the world to me. If you haven't already left a review, please leave a five-star review and let me know what you want to hear more of on the show. I'm here for you, and together we're making the world a better place, one day at a time, one show at a time. Thank you for listening.